Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Gong, the podcast about sales at startups. Specifically, season two, we're talking about sales at my startup, Riveter, and what it's like to start a company, get our first customers, and a deep look into everything going on uh, as the CEO and head of sales at, at a new startup. Uh, today, I am not the host. We are flipping the tables as we did in the first couple of episodes, except my co-host this time is not my girlfriend, Abby. It's my fiance, Abby. Yay. So this episode's going to be all about his proposal. Yeah, I'll tell you all the juicy details in the appendix. But first, we got some business to get to. What? Sorry, the listeners are here. I, I should say, I actually got a text from one of our listeners uh, who said... Your mom? Uh, not my mom. She doesn't t know how to text. Uh, from Alex Paisaki, who said, I absolutely love Abby's jabs on the new season of The Gong. She has instantly become my favorite host. Can you can you share your listeners' first and last names? People love you. This one in particular, I think I can. Alex P. Mm, Don't look okay. him up. Let's move into discussion. Yeah, that's good because the second text he sent me was saying she should replace you as the regular host and I should move to color commentary. She has way more zingers. So, Abby, let's see some of those zingers, but let's see some of those good questions. Who improv night? Um, okay, so I can improv with the questions you have texted me that I have to ask you. Um, Don't give away our secret sauce. But I might completely trash those and ask whatever I want. So tell us what has happened with the gong since we last spoke. Not the gong. Sorry. Riveter. With Riveter. Should we restart this episode? Now nah, we're just going to keep going. Okay, we'll answer the question. Uh, a lot has happened with the Riveter. So Riveter, uh, we... Once again, uh, we are HR for the unemployed, and our business model normally is a severance add-on. So uh, the thought is that businesses who are conducting a layoff purchase Riveter memberships for the people that they let go, and we help our members thrive in unemployment. And I'd say there are two big updates. The first is that our fourth employee started this week, and her main job is to interview users, figure out what it is they need, users being recently unemployed people, figure out what it is they, they need, and then suggest products and partnerships to get us there. So, for example, if she finds that uh, a lot of people are talking about how they're not sure what to do with their finances and, and they have all these payments due, well, then we should figure out how to either create a lot of content or create some sort of partnership to help people, I don't know, refinance their house or their student loans or figure out their personal finances better. So that's been a really big, um, a, a big one, and I'm really excited about that one because she's going to be fully focused on the product and helping the users out. The other thing that that's kind of happened over the last few weeks is realizing how difficult it is to get in front of businesses at the right time, right? If we're trying to sell to a business doing a layoff, there's a certain window of time in which you can get there because it's not like they're doing layoffs all year round. Some of the huge companies are, but um, smaller companies are certainly not. It's sporadic, and there's only a month-long period or so that they're discussing the layoff, planning the severance package, things like that. If you're, at a, if you're a huge company, you know, McDonald's or something like that, or, or Goldman Sachs that does layoffs year round, you have a severance policy that's in place already. And getting somebody to adjust that severance policy is very difficult. And so it's been a, a bit of a challenge and we have some cool first customers, but it's been a bit of a challenge getting in front of people at the right time. Um, so some good and some, some awesome stuff and some tough stuff lately. Yay. New hire. Um, sad, no customers. 
let's ask a little bit about both of that and then we will get to the questions you texted me. Um, so I'll ask a question that my mom would ask if she's listening, which is how can you hire a fourth person? Like how does someone decide when to grow a startup and how do you balance that with, uh, funding? Uh, yeah. So, uh, does your mom listen? I don't know. All right. Hey Rhonda. Hey Rhonda. How are you? Uh, but but she does ask that whenever she asks if you've gotten a job yet. I'm not, and I'm not I sure. said Adriel is starting his own company, and she said, "Well, has he sold anything yet?" So, well, the answer is yes. We, <laughs> we've sold some stuff. Oh, we sold some stuff to, to four different kinds of companies. So tell her yes. So to 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 go back to the the things that happened last week, how did you decide to hire someone? How did you know that it was the right next step? So the thought process was this that. We everything about Riveter. We I was thinking about long before we actually launched Riveter. Certainly long before COVID, and it was automation is replacing all these jobs. People are gonna be in a place where they won't be able to find a new job, and there needs to be some sort of intermediary company that's the single source of truth for people who are sort of the workless class, which is more than unemployed. It means unemployed and probably not able to apply their skill set to a new paying job anytime soon. The thought was this, that we're in this this moment here where because of COVID, 40 million people are now in all of a sudden this workless class. They are people who, who lost their jobs and because of a variety of macroeconomic factors, they're not going to be able to get a job anytime soon very easily. So if we can't, so we need to take advantage of that. And if we can't grow now, with all these users that are out there, and if we can't build a fantastic product today and figure out who's gonna pay for it today, then when are we gonna be able to figure that out? Mm -hmm. uh, we're never gonna, you know, I wish I started Riveter three years ago, mm -hmm. and we were a three-year-old company by the time COVID hit, we would've been doing amazingly right now, for better, for worse. We started on uh, April 1st, 2020. And so the reason we, we hired uh, Eleni is because, first of all, she's fantastic and, and smart and is gonna bring a lot of value and a lot of skills that I don't have and that uh, my co-founder and, and the other people on the team and investors don't have. So that's the first thing. She's just the right person to help join to grow. But it's also that, you know what? If we're, if we're doing this, let's swing for the fences and let's go for it. Let's try this out. You know, we have a little bit of funding um, from some friends and family and let's see how quickly we can move and how well we can build. So that's why we decided, you know, three or so weeks ago that we need to hire somebody else um, to do this with uh, to help add a lot more value. You know, the point of a hire is you pay X and they give you 2X or ideally X squared the amount of value. And, and I have all the confidence in the world that Eleni is going to do that for us. And we'll find out then, you know, within the next three months or four months if we're building something that people want. And let's find that out earlier as opposed to later. So I think the other side of that is to say, all right, since we're in this moment of time, how can we best take advantage of it? Well, every journalist is writing about unemployment in some capacity, how terrible the unemployment systems are, how tough it is to do a layoff, what kinds of companies are doing layoffs, the companies that communicate layoffs well, what their severance packages are like, everybody is writing this. So we should take advantage of that and get some press during this particular moment. So what we're decided to do maybe maybe three weeks ago is to bring on someone new, to be more aggressive, basically. And more aggressive was divided into two parts. It was A, bring on someone new to help us build more product, build better, talk to more users, and B, uh, to get press. And the way we thought about getting press was, all right, what's a really noteworthy 
announcement that we can make. You know, just saying, oh, you know, this this new startup came around to help people. That's not something that a journalist at a top tier publication wants to write about. It's not a it's not a true announcement. So we said, all right, what would the New York Times or TechCrunch want to write about? And if everybody is putting all their writing and talking about how terrible the unemployment system is, well, we should go solve that hair on fire problem, which is applying for unemployment really, really sucks. So we decided to, to build a better application for the unemployment, uh, specifically in California, make that part of our press announcement, make, use that to, to grow really quickly and take advantage of this moment. Great. Well, you've answered all of your own questions. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I shouldn't have written them. Uh, Need a better co-host. That, that's great. So um, you hired Eleni for urgency, which sounds smart because now's the time. If, if this company's ever going to prove itself, I mean, hopefully we'll not see worse unemployment than we are today for the next several years. Um, so Eleni, if you're listening, your job is to 10x Riveter in the next month. Uh, and you wanted to tell us more about you, you wanted to build an unemployment application to get press. Tell us a little bit more about what that strategy is. It sounds a little bit different than what you were doing before. Yeah. So we started by bringing together all these partners and saying, Hey, unemployed, like, let's help you manage that. You know, let's, here's a few wellness resources. Here's a few education resources. When you, when we interviewed customers and we, when we gave them surveys and talked to them on the phone and, and I've done probably, you know, 30 or 40 hours of conversations with customers. Plus we've had almost a hundred survey respondents and 95% of them said the absolute worst thing in the world for them is applying for unemployment. It's hard. It's confusing. People just called their parents to ask for help. The websites crashed. Um, the, the work didn't save. I personally felt this cause it took me three hours to fill out. I actually spent 45 minutes on the wrong website and I'm a, you know, young, technologically savvy person who what, figured what out. What website were you on? When I was applying for unemployment, I was on the wrong website, not applying for unemployment, but just calculating how much I would make in unemployment. He was applying for a new credit card. <laughs> I didn't get the Chase Sapphire reserve. Credit score is too low. They Unemployed. still won't give it to me. Unemployed. That's what happens. Um, but everyone talks about how the unemployment application is their biggest hair on fire problem. So we said, let's solve that. So we tried to figure out how to do that, what those biggest problems are. Cause just saying the unemployment application sucks. It's high level. You got to break that down into pieces. What sucks about it? Well, it crashes or the questions don't make a lot of sense, or you're repeating the same information over and over again, or a lot of the information they should already have automatically by you because half of it is about your last employer. When your last employer lays you off, that should just automatically translate into that application. So, you know, if, if the Acme Corp is doing a layoff and they lay you off, they should just connect automatically to the unemployment application and say, hey, we laid Abby off, but here's all the data about her salary, her um, uh, our address, our information, her last manager, all that stuff that takes you an hour to put together. So we decided to, to go for that biggest problem out there and both coincidentally and I suppose strategically, that's also we think the problem or the solution that's going to be able to get us some press because it's the thing everybody's writing about and everyone's looking for an answer to. The Los Angeles Times recently wrote a piece about how $160 million was spent in California over the course of a couple of years to fix unemployment and nothing was fixed. So, um, I mean, that's awesome. I'm not surprised that the first pain point unemployed people have is applying for unemployment. Um, anytime I've ever interacted with the government, I 
pull my hair out. Uh, is it legal for you to rebuild the application? And kind of what are the biggest risks you guys are taking? Absolutely. Yes, it's legal. Fair question. Uh, I don't know if there's a huge risk necessarily. The way we're doing it is essentially you can apply apply through the website or there's many states in which you can apply, California being one of them, where you can apply via fax form or a mail form, mm-hmm. mailed in form. And so we said, all right, let's take that faxed form or mailed in form. Let's make it a lot uh, smoother than it is, easier, more beautiful, simple to fill out, and we'll fax it in. And it's the same exact kind of a timeline and experience on the back end for the unemployment office, um, but we're just making it a lot better. There's a lot that we want to do with that product, you know, almost like TurboTax for unemployment. There's mm-hmm. a lot we want to do with that product over time. And, you know, we want to integrate directly into the unemployment office. So ideally we can become their back end or talk to their back end. So it's not like we fax it or mail it and then it takes them time to go through it. It's, it's, we can just send that information right away. We want to be able to understand the likelihood of you being accepted, the amount of money you can expect to earn. We want to help you get your direct deposit faster. Um, you know, right now California sends out a debit card and I, I can't even use that debit card at most ATMs or banks because whatever, it's a whole Big problem. We want to solve that. So there's tons that we can do in this sort of TurboTax for unemployment thing. So we decided to to put a lot of our engineering and design resources into that and, and really solve that problem. Well, we hope that goes well. We're excited to hear how the launch goes. Um, and if, if it does, maybe you'll you'll pivot and fix the DMV too. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll work on it. The DMV is top of the list. Speaking of pivoting at the beginning you said uh the potential low point of the week is uh a bit more challenging getting in front of your target customer being the employer who's about to do a layoff um what are you thinking of trying next are you guys just going to keep um trying to find that kind of golden goose or are you thinking about other strategies yeah so i think uh i th- there's like five or six ways that we can monetize. As long as we have a product that users love, as long as we have a product that recently unemployed people, you know, I told Eleni her job is to make people say, thank God for Riveter. And we got to figure out a way to measure that. And that's what product market fit is going to be. What if they don't believe in God? Thank uh, whoever we got to thank. Fair, very, fair. Those are the zingers. Do that you, Alex do you believe in about. God? Do I believe in God? We, she asked me that on like fourth date. Can you believe that fans? Do you believe in God? Point is, Point is, as long as we have a product that people absolutely love, that are, if you get if you lose your job and you call your friend and say, what do I do? Your friend says, figure out a way to get Riveter. If we can get to that, there's a lot of ways we can monetize. My Our initial thought was maybe the business that's doing the layoff can pay for it. Then the recruiter came up and was like, well, maybe there's a dozen business model where recruiting agencies give that as a marketing tool to get talent. Uh, maybe we go direct to consumer and you, the laid off person, pays for it. Maybe outplacement services pay for it. Maybe we become kind of like a advertising-based, almost social networking um, site for unemployed people. Uh, who, there's a bunch of ways to monetize if we have a product that people love. This first one, we found some. There's pros about the business that that uh, providing this. You know, outplacement is a really big industry and and it's really old and stodgy, and we can disrupt it. But it takes. I think it's going to take some time to figure out how to crack that nut. So what we're doing is this. Um, two weeks from now when we launch press, uh, we're going to have a lot of traffic, hopefully, of people who are unemployed and they're like, wow, this sounds awesome. They have all these resources and, and the unemployment application is great. How do I get it? Well, if you're, if you're last employer, they're going to give it to you. 
right now there's no really easy way to get it so what we're gonna do is gonna split it up in into two and on one homepage it's gonna be targeted at businesses and it's gonna be hey are you doing a layoff well hopefully you heard about us in the New York Times or whatever you're doing a layoff buy Riveter memberships for all your people but the other thing that we're gonna try because we're gonna have many, many more individuals come to the site than, than business owners, is to say, are you recently laid off? Well, why don't you buy yourself a membership and see all the value that we give you? People buy TurboTax, you know, people pay for things like therapists or meditation apps or education resources or all the things that we offer already, and we're bundling it all up and giving it to you for one low price. Like how much is that worth to you? So it wasn't our initial thought, you know, we don't want to long-term necessarily be charging customers, but I think it's going to be a charging really- Charging customers. Uh, charging uh, users, charging the people who, who are unemployed, I think- We that, always want customers paying. Yes, you want customers paying from the very beginning. Uh, but we don't always want, we don't forevermore want to be charging the people who are unemployed. We, our thesis is that the businesses benefiting from AI and automation should pay for the people being hurt by it. but. Initially, as we begin to figure out the tougher business model, the hope is that this can bring in um, revenue, but also more importantly, I mean, this can prove that people really want what it is that we have. And that's a proof point that we really want to see, you know, this whole press thing, it's to accomplish three goals. Uh, the first is to get investors, you know, just by virtue, I think of being in the press, it helps get investors. The second is to get businesses at customers. Uh, it'll give us a ton of credibility to be in the press with them and it'll drive a bunch of traffic our way. And the third, and, and perhaps really the most important one, is to have a huge influx of users who can learn more from, who can offer our product to, who we can help, uh, and, and this is going to be able to, and, and who we can validate that they really do want what it is that we're offering. And so this uh, avenue of monetizing in that way is hopefully gonna help. You know, we talked about should we just do it for free for them and say, hey, any user who comes who's already been laid off, like, get our product for free. And we might do something like the first 500 people get it for free or something like that. But in our conversations, at least so far, I'll update you next week if anything changes, but in our conversations so far, we think it's important to, after a certain point, uh, monetize it in some way to say, what is this worth to you? Is, is this solving such a big problem that you'd pay 50 bucks for it? Is this such a small problem that like you'd throw five bucks, but it's really not worth anymore? What is it that we have and, and, and how much would you, the actual user, the person we're doing this for, assign uh, to it in value? I think that'll be a, a really important baseline metric for us. Oh, name your price. Right now we're trying for $25. Oh, I thought you were gonna allow me, the unemployed, to name my price. And oh, I thought fine. that was an interesting business model. Oh, that's a good idea. How much would you like to pay when you check out? <laughs> We'll see what happens. We did that. We actually did that early on with a previous startup that worked fairly well. So uh, I started a company a while back that was like Airbnb for the outdoors. And we had no idea how much it was worth when somebody went camping on somebody's private property like Hip Camp or when they took their dog out for an off-leash dog walk. So what we did was we literally said, name your price. We said, here's the payment page. Put in how much you want to pay. See what happens. And we learned that 10 bucks was the average. So oh. maybe name your price is a good idea. You heard it here first, guys. eBay for the unemployed. Uh, well, Audriel, I think that is enough for today. I probably will not be asked back after 9 p.m., uh, but you're welcome, Alex, if you're still tuned in. Yeah, the Zingers really uh, lose their lose their edge after, after you get sleepy. But, hey, fiancé, co-host, thank you so much. Audi.
And if anybody out there, howdy, man, you really <laughs> disintegrated. If anybody out there wants to I learn said more, howdy. <laughs> if anybody out there wants to learn more about Riveter or any of the things that we're doing, check out RiveterWorks.com. Follow us on Twitter hash, uh, at RiveterWorks. You could throw in a hashtag there. Uh, hashtag advice from the unemployed. We're on LinkedIn, or you can email me Adriel at RiveterWorks.com uh, with ideas, thoughts. Thanks, Adriel. Thanks, Abby. <laughs>